different person, assertive, focused, often aggressive. Once I heard about his reputation, I began to observe how he worked. That day, Stu was interviewing a large black woman whose voice caught my attention. It was gravelly and at the same time melodic and deeply resonant. She was sobbing, clutching a tissue in one hand and waving her arms as she talked to Stu. I picked up bits of their conversation. Her husband had just been arrested and was being held at the detention center for something that had happened in Georgia a long time ago. I started listening more intently. He accused of killing a man in 1944, she said, wiping tears from her face. He escaped from a chain gang. She explained that he had been arrested by Philadelphia police the day before when they had a loud argument and a neighbor called the police. When he was routinely fingerprinted, His prints matched those of an escaped fugitive. Was Mr. Giles convicted for the Georgia murder? Stu asked. They say he was. The police told you that? Uh Uh-huh. Stu paused, looking down and away from her, then slowly back up to her face. There's really nothing we can do, Mrs. Giles, he said. When someone is convicted and the state where it happened seeks extradition, that's the end of it. To extradite someone, all Georgia officials need to prove is that a crime was committed there, and that the person held for it here is the same person they tried and convicted. That will be easy, since the fingerprints match. Lord help us, she gasped. She and her husband had four young children. He was never in any trouble before. His work on construction support our family. I'm sorry, ma'am, Stu replied. Our office advises clients to waive extradition. It can take months before the identification hearing, and your husband won't get any credit for the time he spends waiting here for extradition. If he waves and goes back to Georgia, at least he'll get credit for that time. I'll visit your husband in prison and explain it all. She was sobbing and wheezing, as if she had a bad cold. I stood up out of my chair, slowly, as I watched her leave. This murder her husband had been convicted of had happened almost 25 years ago, just about when I was born. Mary Giles didn't know a thing about it until her husband was arrested. He had escaped, married, and made what sounded like a good life in Philadelphia for himself and his family. But now he would be sent back to a Georgia chain gang, probably for the rest of his life. She reminded me of someone I knew well, but I couldn't admit that yet, even to myself. I had no reason to doubt Stu's assessment. He was experienced and one of the best. Yet I just couldn't accept it. There had to be something worth trying, though I had no idea what. I had a strong urge to intervene, although I was afraid it could anger him, and I had no basis for thinking I could do anything that might help. After a long silence, I casually asked, Stu, would you mind if I look into it more? I made the mistake of adding, I've got nothing to do now but interview. Stu bristled, looking more like I had imagined he did in the courtroom. Fine, you want a wild goose chase? Go ahead, he said, as he held the file up in the air, like something I would have to fetch. He added some good advice. Don't let anyone hear you say you got nothing to do but interview. That's a vital function around here. We all do it, even the Ivy Leaguers. The Ivy League comment reflected a tension in the office I would become familiar with. Until the 1960s, public defender work was usually not sought by graduates from the Ivy League. 
Most public defenders went to local schools, often, like Stu, at night, so they could work and support themselves. Law practice is very hierarchical, and public defender work was near the bottom. This changed in the 1960s, however, as the nation turned its attention to civil rights, poverty, and the rights of people accused of crimes. Criminal defendants' rights are often discussed as if they were an innovation of the 1960s, but they were also the main subject of the Bill of Rights. Just then, Mrs. Giles came back into the room to get her purse, which she had left on a chair, making an awkward moment more awkward. I will be visiting your husband in jail, I said, to look into whether there's anything that can be done. Thank you, sir. May the Lord Jesus bless you, she said. The word Jesus was startling. I never imagined that Jesus would care about me. It feels strange to be blessed so personally.